Hello. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Laptop died. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> did, did you not have battery? I got distracted. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> okay. So, what was the last? What was the last thing you heard me say? <laughs> oh no, loops. Oh no, loops. One two one two. Ladies and gentlemen, cats, rats, dogs, Manny Fresh, you, you are now listening to another episode of Own No Loops. Yay, yay. Uh, I'm Marcus. I'm Gene. And today we are going to discuss the uh, 15th, it's the 15th anniversary uh, of the release of Little Brothers The Listening. Yes. Yeah, this is an album that was dropped on February 25th, 2003 on ABB Records. And ABB. ABB. Like yeah. I've always liked that name. I don't um know why. <laughs> all, what does it stand for? Always something. Always be blowing. No, it's always it's it's, it's, it's the crit version of always be blowing. Uh, right, right. No, it's it's our blood version. Always uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the that would be the blood version, not the crib version. See, if, not if, the crib version. if you would get shot saying some shit like that, man, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful out here. I know it's real. It's real. Um, no, it actually, it stands for always bigger and better. Yes, I, I, I never knew that actually. Yeah, not to be confused mm -hmm. with with BBE, which is barely breaking even. That one I always knew. Right. Yeah. That one I always knew. Yeah. And 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 before we continue, yes. could I mention something that has absolutely nothing with what we're doing to do with what we're doing maybe, today? Maybe if it, uh, if I if, can do it in fifteen seconds, you could do it, and and I might I might end up to taking it out, but we'll see. Go ahead, <laughs> shoot your shot, shoot your shot, Jane. Go ahead. Oh man, um, random thought, and yeah. I, I'm just putting it out there. I was thinking about um the song "Can It Be So Simple" today. Uh, by Wu-Tang. Because when is it not um, a good time to think about that song? Of course. Yeah. And in Ghostface's verse, he's getting to uh, that peaceful point in his uh, song um, verse, and he's talking about... Um, so I could, well, no. Oh. Well, that's the first part. Yeah. So I could bloom and blossom, find a new way, continue to make more hits at Rain A, uh -huh. you know. God left, dresses, God left lessons on my dresser. Uh -huh. So I could bloom and blossom. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, hey, that feels nice. And then he goes into the sunshine, plays a major part in the, the daytime. daytime. And then Raekwon comes storming in with the whole violent part, like your friend that's just come over and, you know, broken your concentration and just said, let's go party. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it's like you're just sitting home, like just chilling, eating some cereal. It's like, ah. We're gonna rip some havoc. Ah, peace to mankind. Ghostface carry a black eye. <laughs> no, I, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect because because I, I like, it. I like yeah. it. I've always that's please. That's one of my all time favorite Wu Tang songs. Oh, and, yeah. And it, it definitely adds to the whole um, mood of that song. Can it all be so simple? So, yeah. Random thought. Because no, uh, like it's it's a bridge where he said he's like 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 peace to peace to mankind kind of summarizes what Ghostface was saying. It's like, yeah, yeah, peace to mankind, by the way, uh, carry a black line. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, which actually, it's, it's almost like 
if you remember the end of the album version of Today Was a Good Day, or or It Was a Good Day, right on on the Predator, yeah, where Ice Cube yeah. at the end of at the end of the song is like, wait a minute, hold it, stop this shit. You know the fuck am I thinking about? Then it goes Peace. into Peace. Um, <laughs> then it goes into tear this motherfucker up. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's 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 almost that kind of same thing. It's like he brings them back to reality. It's like yeah yeah yeah, peace to mankind and all that. But we're yeah. still in you know 1993. You still got to carry a gun. So yeah, random thought. Random thought. So, random yes. thought. So 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 back to today's topic. Yes. Um, little brother, the listening. Uh, so this album dropped again 15 years ago today, and yes. um, uh, it's 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 a landmark album, and let's talk about why. So. So, uh, little brother, if you don't know, is c- consists of three members. That's mm-hmm. uh, you have Ninth Wonder, who was the producer of the group. You have uh, Fonte, who is who was a rapper, and then uh, Big Pooh, or AKA rapper Big Pooh, who, was, who yes. was the other rapper in the group. Yes. And so they all met. They're all from North Carolina. Uh, stand up. They all or <laughs> raise up rather. I'm sorry. And uh, they all uh, they met at uh, North Central. Uh, I'm sorry, North Carolina Central University, back in back in like the late '90s, early 2000s. And um, basically, uh, Fonte and 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 Big Pooh met just on some rap shit. Like like Fonte, I think Big Pooh, Big Pooh was like carrying an issue of the source, and Fonte was like, "Yo, let me check that out." And then they ended up like basically realizing very early on that they had a similar taste in rap music. Yeah, and so and then they eventually met Ninth Wonder, and they were a part of like a crew which was first called the organization, and then and then later became like the Justice League. Not to be confused with the Justice League, because they're two yeah. different. Well, they're, well, they're three different things, right? You got obviously the the, uh, the DC comic the comic book <laughs> Justice League. Then you got the production team who who did a lot of work with uh, Rick Ross. I C E. Uh, that's well, it's yes, yeah, and and I think they put dots in between all the letters. So it's like yeah. each letter it, it probably stands for something like juice you send the ice cold effervescence. I don't who fucking knows. But <laughs> but um but uh so you got them and and then you got Google that and tweet us. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> um and, and and then you got the Justice League, which is spelled J U S T uh U S, which is mm-hmm. which was this North North Carolina crew. And um, yeah, so they basically just met in college and just started recording together. Uh, yeah. Do you know the first song they recorded as a group? L- Little Brother? Yes. Um, Atari 2600? Nope, but that's a good guess. So uh, Atari 2600 was a joint from uh, a, a little compilation they put out called The Story of Us, like Unheralded mm-hmm. Symmetric, Unheralded Symmetrics, I believe, which was basically a, basically a parody album, like a comedy album they put out. I believe, and I believe they recorded that before the listening, right? And Atari Twenty Six Hundred yeah. was a joint that Fonte. It was Fonte doing like Jeffrey Osborne, I think, <laughs> and and like RZA. Oh God! But um, but yeah, look that up on the internet if you can't find it. But no, the first joint they recorded as Little Brother was Speed. My one of my favorite songs from uh, the album that we're about to talk about, and um, you know, uh, I. <laughs> I'll talk about it later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's so that's I mean that's Little Brother in a nutshell. They dropped they dropped uh, the listening on ABB Records in again uh, t- t- early two thousand and three, right after a 
a few weeks after uh, Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. And um, they went on to sign, sign with Atlantic Records for their second album. Then they left Atlantic Records and then Ninth Wonder left the group and they did uh, Get Back. And then they did one more album, Left Back, which uh, was a, it had original music, but also remixes from Get Back. Yeah, and then, yeah. then they uh, disbanded. And they had a lot of they had like personal issues, personal beefs. But I think they're all cool now. But they're still not like making music as a group. Yeah, from what I gather, they are cool now. Um, you know, you sometimes see them exchanging on uh, Twitter or, mm-hmm. or interviews or whatever. Since um, they're all still, of course, making lots and lots of music. They're all still making music. Yep. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, from what I gather, they're all for the most part on the same page. And the idea possibly of them recording again has been talked about. But by the them or by other people? By them. OK. Um, I think uh, Fonte had said once last year that he was open to doing it. And I forget what the other two had said, but I, I think they're they're definitely good uh the friction i believe had originally started because on the last album they used the song that he produced and uh he was no longer part of the group uh talking about on on uh get back uh either get back or left back i don't think left back had any i I have to have to look i I don't think i I mean i know the get back had the one ninth wonder joint which was um breaking my heart with lil wayne but oh yeah 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 yeah. i don't i don't know it might have been that Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that's that's like little brother in a very very concise nutshell. Uh, but let's talk about the listening. So the listening was an album. Well, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you talk since I've been running my mouth a lot. So <laughs> so like when did you uh, when did you first hear the listening? So with me and the listening. Um... I actually heard it late, like uh, I have with several good albums in my lifetime. Um, Around that time for me, um, I got into a point where I was just trusting my um, regular go-tos. And at that moment, it was Mosef, Talib, Common, and The Roots. If anybody else had came out at that time, it was, uh, I don't know if I'm going to try it out because I have my go-tos. So basically the okay player set was kind of what you were fucking with at that time. For the most part, yeah. yeah. So um and outside of them, I was really starting to say to myself, like, is this it? Is this all I'm gonna listen to? Um and you know, I personally think that you have your music habits like pretty much in your brain by the time you're 25 and i was about 25 at this time and it's well, yeah the older you, you on... get sorry the, the older you get the more stubborn you get with your with your musical choices i totally believe that that's the break off break off point 25 25 roughly so i had i was at that point and um i did not hear their music um until I heard the uh, True Notes Volume 1, the OK Player Records compilation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So this was a year after uh, The Listening came out, 2004. What song was on that album? Do you remember? They had two songs on that album. They had Shake It and uh, On and On. Ah. And both of those songs ended up, I believe, on Chitlin Circuit 1.5. So I had heard that. 
And then I had heard like, hey, you know, these guys are working with some people that I like and um, maybe I should check out that album because I had actually was still reading the source and I knew about the hip hop quotable of um, Fonte's verse. From the yo-yo. They were getting, from, exactly. Yeah. So I was hearing these good things, but I was like, eh, whatever. And then I heard the songs off of OK Player uh, Records compilation, and then I went into the album, and then I was just blown away. Mm, okay. So, needless to say, I did like the album. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this was a little a little late, but um, that's when I first came to it, which would be about 2004. Okay, 2004. Yeah. Um. So I'm just just to do a little a little uh, fact checking really quick. Um, you the the songs you said you said it was shake it and what else? On and on. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think shake it is on 1.5. Which just as an aside, the shitless record 1.5. I listened to the fuck out of that of that album. <laughs> I, I I used to. Uh, it's like two hours. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like like that. I, I listened to that album a lot. Like I actually, I think I liked it more than I liked uh, the Mistral Show, the second album, the second official album. But I would have to agree with you on. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't think either of those songs are on 1.5 though. Where did I hear it? Maybe, well, I guess maybe, then maybe I, yeah, I mean, I did own that um, OK Player uh, compilation, so I probably just listened to it over and over on that. So yeah, maybe I'm mistaken. Could have been but, on the um, original. The, the yeah, so so Shake It is on the original Chitlin Circuit mixtape. So so Chitlin Circuit was a mixtape they put out between uh, the Listening and the Mister Show, their second album. Ah, uh, so, okay. So so Shake It is on the original. Um, mi- yeah, actually, both yeah, both of those songs are on the original Chitlin Circuit. That's what it is because yeah. I ended up getting one and one point five of Chitlin Circuit. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Because they kind of fused together in my head. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. That that's an understandable thing to happen. <laughs> um, so as, as for me, I first heard. So I first heard Little Brother on uh, the OK Player message board, and okay. So I I was a very early member of like the OK Player message board. I I started going on OK Player like from like like literally day one. And this is this is a few years like so OK Player started around like two thousand. Um and this was this is obviously a few years later, but they OK Player actually plays a pretty big part in in Little Brother's story. So Little Brother, uh again they again they, they were recording at, at, at in school and college and they they put out songs on OK Player to get responses from people to see like, hey, you know, we're a group, we're you know, we're making music, check out our shit, let us know what you think. And right. and so and which made sense because the OK Player crowd, OK Player, if if you don't know, was or is the official website of the roots. And yes. and it was it's really um OK Player really is was a is a was a monumental website. It was one of the first like online communities for a certain type of music fan, for like black yes. people. It was it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It it was it was it was like social networking before social networking existed. That's that's probably <laughs> the biggest compliment that you could pay pay it, and also the quickest uh, description as far as what it was. Yeah. Um. You know, and you know, message boards. <sighs> they were huge back then. Yeah, they were they huge were because you didn't. I mean, basically, message boards and chat rooms is what you had. You this this is before this is pre Twitter pre. Facebook, pre Snapchat, pre all of that. Um, yeah. 
And so, yeah, so it was like, like, you know, internet communities kind of evolved from, they went from like news groups. If, if you're really old school, you remember news groups from news groups to like IRC chat to chat rooms and websites to message boards. And then we eventually got, you know, social media and comments and all that stuff that we have today. The so-called, yes. so-called web 2.0. But anyhow, <laughs> okay. Player was home to a very specific type of like hip hop fan. And, yeah. and so little brother made music that was very, uh, that, that kind of targeted that kind of fan. So they put out their music. They were releasing music there to get a reaction. And people were like, were like really like into it. It's like, Oh shit. Like this is this, this music reminds me of, of, you know, the hip hop that I love that I don't really hear anymore. Um, and then I, and then eventually Questlove, I think, I believe Questlove actually got past the demo of their stuff and then listened to it and was like, you know, was he like, was blown away. he was blown away by it. And then posted on okay player, like, yo, check this shit out. And everybody was like, yeah, we already know about it. Like, like, like <laughs> but, um, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So I heard, I heard of little brother through okay player. But then the album itself, I actually got at the time the album came out. I was writing album reviews for a magazine called Rhyme Magazine out of out of L.A. R I M E, um, rest in peace. And um, <laughs> so I was doing, I was writing, yeah, I was writing album reviews for them. So ABB Records actually sent me a copy of the album with like a press release and everything. And um, and so do that, you still have it today? Fuck yeah, I still have it. I was I I was reading it today. Um, it came with like several like clips, like like magazine clips from like Elemental magazine. Rest in peace. And um, can there, you throw a photo of this on the gram? Um, of course, of course. I'll <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that for sure. Um, and um, yeah. So so they, um, so that that's when I first heard the album was 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 getting a copy to review. I don't think I wrote a review of it for for whatever reason, but. But that's when I first heard it, and yeah, it was just I was I was blown away by it, like like a lot of people were, because it reminded me of the hip hop that, like probably my favorite era of hip hop, which was like basically, uh, hip hop that came out when I was in high school, right? We're talking yeah, like we're talking exactly. like ninety ninety three nine to ninety seven, and and mm-hmm. I, I I think that that's like a general theory is that people generally identify most with the music that came out when they were in high school. And so for me, that's definitely true. I mean, I came out in high school during like the whole East Coast Renaissance with like Nas and Wu Tang and Biggie and and Mob Deep and all that stuff. And and yeah, and yeah. um, one album in particular was extremely important to me. That was uh, P Rock and CL Smooth's Main Ingredient. That was a huge album for me, and was yeah. dropped it dropped it dropped at the end of '94. And they definitely felt a kinship to P Rock. Oh, absolutely. Even mentioning him on the album, and he, he later on. Uh, uh, gave his thumb of approval to uh, the album, and um, you know there definitely were a lot of like minds who were um, admiring that energy. You know, Tribe spoke upon it, Questlove spoke upon it several times, um, Pete Rock, and and others in that same um, grouping uh, definitely appreciated where they were and that that energy of um, being fun and truthful. And, um, you know, really just getting to the whole idea of um, speaking what you were planning to speak and not um, exaggerating so much. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's one of that's that's part of, you know, know, from a musical perspective. Yeah, like the music was very like warm and soulful. 
And again, it definitely Pete Rock is the first thing that comes to mind when I hear when I listen to the album. It's very it it wears the Pete Rock influence on its sleeve. But but um in terms of in terms of lyrics, like what you were saying, like it was very much like blue collar, everyman, regular Joe type type shit. Like just like regular dudes talking regular dude shit. And it yeah, wasn't yeah. it wasn't it wasn't stereotyped. It wasn't stereotyped in terms of like extra gangster, extra thug, but it also wasn't like it was very it was much more accessible than what people thought of like underground rap at that time. Yeah, it, exactly. It, you know what I mean? It wasn't like like super noisy or or arrhythmic beats. It was very much um like they were still doing records that could get played in in a club if people were open to it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean there 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 was stuff that you could groove to and and you know the the whole genesis of what they were doing was going on at I guess just after uh, Kanye and uh, Just Blaze really brought uh, soul samples to the foreground. Um, well, just after Riz, of course. Um, On the blueprint. Really, yeah, for the blueprint. Um, really bringing that sound to... Um, and they formed, like like the group formed like right around that same time. Like right around the same time that, that, that the blueprint came out. Exactly. So it was kind of like... A, a race to the radio and really bring that sound. Now, of course, Ninth uh, was a little different than what uh, Kanye and Blaze were doing. Yeah, for sure. uh, but it was still is along the lines of that same category. Yeah. So yeah, so that was. I mean, my first impressions were just like it. It wasn't like it was like they were biting the past necessarily. Uh, they they took a sound and kind of updated it and made it made it their own and presented it in a way. Where like I I, rem- I just remember wanting to like as soon as I met somebody who was a hip hop head I immediately was like yo you got to hear this little brother album like I remember being in in school I was in school at the time and mm-hmm. I was I was putting so many people onto this album just like yo you got it like I w- I was burning copies of it for people like yo you wow. have to you have to hear this album like I just wanted people <laughs> I just want I just want people to hear it I wasn't trying to contribute to you know I, I wasn't yeah. trying to, I wasn't trying to take money out of their their kids pockets or anything like that I just I just really want I really wanted people to hear it. And at that time you couldn't You're just, just stopping people in the street like, hey, 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 listen yeah, to this, listen yes, to this. Yes. Yeah. Um you, you were a little brother street team and they didn't even know it. I was I was I was a mini I was a mini listening street team for sure. Um but yeah, like I because this was this was back in the days before, you know, this was before you had streaming or or whatever. So of it, wasn't, it wasn't like you could just say here here's a link to this little brother album. It was like, yo, here's the seat, here's yo, check this out. Just check this out. I just hear this. And you know, fall in love with it the same way I fell in love with it. And yeah, I mean, for me, that was that was their stuff later on because my whole marketing to other people was through the car. And um, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I was driving around and um, constantly playing um, the minstrel show and uh, foreign exchange. The um, so just just real sh- quick, sorry, real, real quick, foreign exchange is a group. It was it's Fonte. And uh, 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 the producer Nicolay from the Netherlands, who are still making music today, and and they again going back to OK Player, they met on OK Player, like they met through OK Player. Yeah, and didn't physically meet until a while after. <laughs> until until after the the first album was done, they didn't meet until the yeah. album was done. So yeah, sending stuff back and forth through OK Player. Yep. Well, maybe not through there, but but I don't yeah, know how they it, sent it, but they I, met through there. Email, <laughs> email, you know, but. But but yeah, like they 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 met through that site. So, um, and 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 going back to that site again, um, that that is how they got 
again, they got the ears of Questlove, but then Questlove was like sending it you, you, the, kind of the same way he did with with uh, JD uh, Jay Dilla back in the day. He was he was passing it on to like cats like 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 Jazzy Jeff and 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 Pete Rock and 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 Primo and and so that's how they all got to hear it. So this album got you know it got heavy uh, very heavy cosigns. It, it was passed on through word of mouth through through again like 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 legendary cats who possibly influenced them but then also just fans like me and and you and and everybody was kind of passing it through word of mouth and that's how it that's how it became like a kind of a, a like, like a monument in rap music yeah but um yeah. and and it, i would say it was one of the first it was, one, it was really one of the first albums of the so-called internet era like it really blew up because of the internet which at that time the internet was a wasn't it, it was just very different it experience now. than it than it is now and the internet wasn't nearly as it wasn't quite as pervasive or as um omnipresent as it is now this is before smartphones again before social media so, well yeah and and, and you got to think about the fact that if um before okay celebrity, exactly well <laughs> yes yeah and you think about now that if celebrity a says on instagram i'm listening to so-so's album and you should hear it like if that celebrity's big enough say like a kim kardashian mm-hmm. um you know a it million could ta- people it could uh, tank could, the the stock or <laughs> it, it could affect the stock market yeah exactly yeah. so like you know she could uh you know put a lot of money in that person's pocket almost instantly whereas now uh for somebody of her stature to even um, get that out there. She would have to say it to a news reporter, or she would have to email a news reporter, Back in the day, or something like that. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. So, sure. so yeah, I mean, it's totally different. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, going back to the listening, uh, what were, I guess, your highlights or, or, or high impressions of um, listening? What What really spoke to you the most? Um, really the whole album. And I think which which is kind of the point of the album. So like the listening, the kind of the theme, the over the overarching theme of the album is that is the idea that people don't really listen to whole albums. It was the idea that a lot of rappers don't really make albums that are cohesive and, and like a full a full body listening listening experience. And so which they talk a lot about on the, the title track which is where they like which is at the end of the album which they kind of bring home the idea that you know they they wanted to make an album that you would listen to from front to back that was consistent that had a, a particular mood and can you know it, it has its, ebb, its its ebbs and flows in terms of the the uh, tempos and, and what have you but but ultimately is a a a full listening experience and so really the whole album for me was just it was it was so so different than a lot of the other things that were coming out at that time but as far as like personal favorites or, or what have you i mean uh the yo-yo or whatever you say which you know is, is which, which was basically a song about 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 women in relationships yeah um, very um, interesting song about women in relationships yeah and well and, and that was that was the first single as well what do you mean by 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 interesting i feel like you have some, something to say about that uh, you mean uh, the yo-yo? Um, oh, oh, the yo-yo. Okay, I, 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 I thought you meant whatever you say. Well, whatever you say, which he even referenced later on, and say that people were mad at him about it. Right, right. Um, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, whatever you say was was great. Of course, yo-yo was the one that had the quotable and yeah, uh, 
whenever I I've seen Little Brother together perform that song at least two times, and whenever he performs it, he's just really excited to do it. Yeah, because um, he knows that that definitely got them a lot of press. Well, yeah. So so I, th- I think the main part was where so. Fonte kicks a verse where he's, so so the yo-yo, you know, uh Big Pooh's talking about a relationship on the yo-yo. And um Fonte is talking about basically how Cash tried to like like walk up to him in freestyle, but he's but he's kinda he's he's kind of getting at like the whole quote unquote like like poetry scene, like the, the coffee shop scene. Spoken word. Spoken word, yeah. <laughs> and so um uh the part that got him the quotable was where he was like you know, it, well, well, I mean, the whole verse got in the quotable, but but one part that people will always remember is when he was like, you know, um, my black queen don't 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 know Nan, nigga. Like, it it really brings home the idea that little brother. I think they didn't want to be pigeonholed. They didn't want to be pigeonholed as a particular type of group. They wanted to show that, yeah, we you know we we uh, have music that kind of sounds like you know shit from the past, but we're not backpackers. We're not yeah, like, we're not yeah. like anti. We're still from North Carolina. We we're not we're not anti like yeah we like we fuck with Trick Daddy and we fuck with you know P Rock and CL Smooth at the same time yeah like yeah. and so I think they yeah. really wanted to get that across. Yeah, they did, they did, they did. And um, what were some of the other highlights that you you had? Uh, Shorty yeah. on the lookout. I love that beat. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I I I I've played that so many so many times. Yeah, it's the the bass lines on this album are so ridiculous, and that's where they I think are. I think that's where the heart of the album is for me. It's just the bass and like how it's like it's it's very warm. Again, rem- reminds me of Pete Rock, but it's like a very warm, more organic bass sound, and that that bass really the the bass lines really drive the album for me. Shorty Shorty on the lookout. Um, you know that that was when. Ninth was just obviously you heard his a great soul samples all throughout the album. Yeah, for sure. Like he was really hitting his stride right around that point of the album. Um, that three song stretch I thought was incredible. I've always which, wanted which to... ones come out. Yo yo shorty on the lookout and a love joint revisited. Um, sh- well, actually, it's two songs really. Okay. Shorty on the lookout, the quick I guess loop kind of short of a remix of Hanging, which is a song by Stylus. Mm. Um, At the end of the song. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, the outro to that song is is fantastic. I love the outro. I've always, like, wanted to... Someone should rap over that shit, man. Actually, I felt the reverse. I liked the way that it played on the album, and I thought to myself that I would become a DJ just so I could play that stretch mm-hmm. at a party and people dancing to Shorty on the Lookout, the little remix, and then just go right into Love Joint Revisited because mm-hmm. I always felt that that stretch was similar to how um, uh, the three-song stretch on a lot of other albums I've worked, um, like Supreme Clientele, where the songs just feel like they're fusing into each other. Yeah. Like a DJ was playing it at a party. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a big part of what makes this album so great is that it's again, the, the, the whole, like the sort of central theme of the album is making, you know, making music that people want to want to play or making an album that people want to play from beginning to end. And, and to that regard, they made an album that where every, you could tell the sequencing was, was very careful. You can tell that, uh, 
the transitions were very careful. All the skits, the way the skits were paced and, and placed throughout the album was something that they took a lot of care in doing. It wasn't just like, these are the best, you know, 15 songs that we recorded at the time. You know, it's like, no, this is our album and this is a package that we want to present to you. Uh, it's it's unforgettable. Like 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 when you hear one song, you immediately think of like what follows that song because you're so used to listening to the the album as a whole. Forever stay in the memory, like white shirts and punch and punch. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, I I have a lot of highlights on this album. Um, it's it's an album full of highlights. It's an album full of highlights. Um, I I mean I I love speed. Yeah, and um you know all of the samples were just awesome and uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of samples on, on this there's album. a lot of samples yeah. and again internet then versus internet now you can easily go on wiki or who sampled and find out all the samples that yep. Knight did but back then people always wondered and he wouldn't mention it yeah, and course. it wasn't listed in the sleeve of course. so you were kind of like <laughs> Cause, uh, cause that costs I don't money. know what he's sampling what's he sampling yeah. man <laughs> Samples are well, you could look at, yeah, you could look at all of them now, and now. you know, like uh, Speed was a uh, a Bobby Womack sample of uh, him singing, and I love her Beatles joint. Um, a, you have um, I already mentioned uh, the end of Shorty on a Lookout. Um, you have a Creative Source, a couple samples on here, which was just really creative, the way that uh, Ninth had flipped them. Um, you know, there were there weren't a whole bunch of um, traditional sources like um, uh, ones that are used by a lot of other producers. Yeah, they didn't he definitely was a great digger. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ninth, the, yeah. the true sense of the word, great yeah. digger. <laughs> yeah, like you knew that Ninth Wonder was really like he had a record collection and he knew records. Like you have to know records to be able to know to sample from all these joints. Like, yeah. not too many people were fucking with like Narada Michael Walden. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, I'm sorry, Narda, because it rhymes with Florida. Um, but yeah, like I mean, he I mean he definitely went to some artists who were like, kind of popular, like like you mentioned, like Bobby Womack or like Gil Scott Heron. But he wasn't taking samples that were already like well worn. He was definitely yeah somebody who yeah. who clearly knew the records and knew what he wanted to go for, and that was something that um, because of like money and because of sampling costs, so, something that wasn't done nearly as much in. 2003 or 2002 as it was 10 or 15 years prior yeah yeah so i mean um you know groupie love was a great way to start off it was interesting um you know learning the group groupie part having two some, groupie, groupie part two excuse me yeah uh to have one of the members go solo on the first yeah yeah, yeah that was interesting for sure yeah yeah, and, and then to go right into speed, which was my drift out joint for a lot of thought. What goes on, <laughs> you know, it goes right into for you. That's 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 that that, that comes after groupie part two. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you you have um. You well, have so I, speed. I feel like sorry, just to just to I feel like it really they sequencing definitely. Uh, it's kind of like typical, not typical, but there, there's there's definitely a formula to rap album sequencing where you started off kind of slow. For like, it's for like, an art, man. Yeah, it's yeah. an art. Yeah, so like Groupie Part Two is kind of a it's it's a big poo solo track, and it starts the beat is very like 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 a slow a slower paced beat, and then For You is yeah. like like the intense kind of banger 
which is kind of yeah. Then it goes back down for speed. So like that's kind of the like like typically like like you have like on a lot of rap albums like where the first the first track is like the warm up and then the second track is like the the banger the whammy and yeah. So yeah, they do that here for sure. Yeah, and and with speed. I mean, that Bobby Womack sample was was just one clip, but what he did with the drum production on there just really brought that song home. Whatever you say, um, you know, Fonte's uh, rhymeless verse. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that was, and that's something you didn't you like. Did you realize it until he said it at the end? I did not. Exactly. Yeah, I, didn't, yeah, I wouldn't. I it's, did it's, not. it's not something you would notice, but it, it's it's so much. It's all in like that, that. That was an oh shit moment. Right. Right. That's like wait, I got to I, I got to hear that again. It's like oh shit. He, exactly. Exactly. It didn't rhyme. He, he, he wasn't lying. Um, but it's just that like it it flows so well. The way he flows and the way he uses his voice with the beat, you don't even realize. You're just you're just listening to it and. And and hearing his words, and you don't even realize that he doesn't like rhyme like bar for bar. Yeah, you know, I, I loved how the uh, the w, WJLR uh, skits bridged everything together. Yeah. Um, how other people on the Justice League were kind of slid in there to kind of just highlight them real real quick, not right. too much. Um, you know, there wasn't a song on this album that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, there was, um. Two misconceptions that I had um, until I actually looked this up later on. Okay. One was um, I thought Ninth had produced the entire album. Oh yeah, no, there's yeah, th- yeah, there's one song that he didn't produce, and to me it's actually, obvious. Two. To, um, two. uh, oh, you're right. Shit, I didn't, <laughs> okay, I didn't know the second one. I yeah, the get up and nighttime maneuvers. Yeah, I I knew I knew that so I knew that um Ninth Wonder didn't do the get up. Cuz to me it doesn't sound like a Ninth Wonder beat. So that one to it me doesn't. that it one doesn't. to me was obvious. And shout out to Eccentric, he used to post on OK Player as well. But um he was a member of the Justice League. But um yeah, so the get up definitely doesn't sound like a Ninth. And that's like the one song where I'd say that's like my least favorite on the album. Like to me that's like the obvious one where it's like it's not it's not a bad song, but it it just doesn't have the same weight as the other songs on the album to me. My least favorite was Nighttime Maneuvers, actually. Okay. And that's um, the that's, that's the Fonte solo cut. Yes, the Fonte solo cut. I liked his verse, but I might have actually heard the Nicolay remix, which ended up on Chitlin Circuit um, oh, before this one. Uh-huh. And it was so much better. Hmm. <laughs> it was so much better. Um, my only issue with this album... Um, actually two okay. issues with the album were that after Love Joint Revisited went off, that groove just kind of stopped for me. So like I had felt I know what you're saying. I, I totally know what you're saying. <laughs> go, but go ahead. Like you had mentioned, it, it, it was climbing, it hit that peak speed, whatever you say. And then, you know, the real quick uh, uh, Make Me Hot skit and yo-yo. And you were just like, okay. And it just slid right into Shorty and the Lookout. And you were like, what? And then when Shorty and the Lookout came off, that little um, uh, intro skit that they have at the beginning of So Fabulous, I was I was pressing, I was pressing uh, um, back, you know, CD. I was pressing uh-huh, back because uh-huh. I wanted to hear... Uh, Shorty on the lookout, Love Joint again. 
And uh, so Fabulous kind of dropped that energy a little bit for me because it didn't glide right into it. Yeah. So I like So Fabulous as a, as a song on its own, but it didn't really continue that energy for me. Yeah. And then, you know, went right into uh, The Way You Do It. And for me, after The Way You Do It, I felt like these remaining songs are great, but album over for me. Wait, so album wait, wait, the album's over. over for you after what? It was uh the way you do it. Really? And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the album was garbage at that point, because it definitely wasn't. It was just that overall I felt that the album was a smidgen too long and it could have been cut off to a short old short album at that point mm. to me. Wow. And I think that would have been a flawless album. And the thing about it is that it's strange for me to say that because all the other songs on there are good songs. Sure. Um, I uh, I definitely felt like um, the rest of the album was good, but I pretty much, for the most part, was kind of doubling back to the first um, 10 tracks when I got up to the 12th, or first 11 tracks and I got up to the 12th. Um, I felt like... Um, the energy started to shift a bit. Um, you even think about going from uh, so fabulous to the way you do that one mm-hmm. time for your mind going into the way you do it. It just drifts right into the way you do it and the way you do it was just a wonderful beat. Yeah. And after that went off and they went into the Roy Lee skit, I was kind of like, I like the get up, but yeah, I, I'm probably not going to, uh, it's it's like when you hear good songs and you know they're good songs, but you're not attached to that song. Okay. And um, the way that they where they placed "Get Up" was really rough for me, and uh, the rest of the songs uh, away from me, "Nobody But You" and all of that just got hurt uh, in the long run because of that. Well, yeah, it's and it's like it's like comparing for me. It's like comparing Tribe Called Quest's first three albums to to Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Like Beach Rounds of mm. Life is a good album, but when you compare it to the excellence that preceded it, it it kind of pales the comparison, even though it's still good music. So well, that, yeah, that, that's yeah, kind of I mean, how I felt it, about it. Yeah, you know, and also with Midnight, you 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 just had some really good sequencing, and I've never really liked the sequencing of Beach Rounds of Life. Mm. But um, by the so way, we discussed same. we discussed Beach Rounds of Life on our episode uh, follow ups to classic albums. There you go. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, good album after that point, but it was a wonderful album Before. leading up to the way you do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. When I listen to this album in full, I I, I usually would kind of step off and do some other things right around this point. Really? Okay. So yeah. just so yeah, so uh, before I comment on that, I just have to have to have to do some fact checking. So. Uh, Ninth Wonder produced Nighttime Maneuvers. Um, on on Wikipedia, it says Eccentric produced it, but that is that is not correct. Oh. And I didn't I didn't think so, but I had to check. And yeah, N- N- Ninth Wonder did Nighttime Maneuvers. The only the only track Ninth Wonder didn't do was the Get Up. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't think so. And if you listen to it, I mean, it sounds like a Ninth Wonder beat. So, um, whereas the Get Up doesn't. It's a, it's a bit different. It's a bit crisper and more. I would say less organic. It sounds a little more synthetic, but, um, but yeah, like for me, definitely when the album dropped, I was, 
my only gripe, really my gripe was, was yeah, like after, like you said, after like the Roy Lee skit, the songs that came out after that, it's not that I, so much that I didn't like them. It was more so that I felt like it's like that section of the album is, is has a, it takes on a different mood after, after the get up, like away from me is, is, is this very sentimental song about, you know, uh, Fonte is talking about his son being away from him. I think his son was living with his grandparents at the time. And so he's talking about that. And uh, uh, Big Pooh's talking about like his his brother, who he's talked about on on many songs, um, on yeah. different albums. Um, then Nobody But You is kind of is, is like a sentimental love song. And then uh, you, you have like the home interlude, which is just Fonte uh, um, singing. And then Nighttime Maneuvers is 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 a very like mellow. Again, it's a Fonte solo track. It's a very mellow type track with with like one verse and some some singing ad libs and whatnot. And then it. They bring it home with the listening, which kind of brings it back up, brings the energy back up a little bit. So at the time, I felt like the energy had gotten a little bit too low on that that last part of that of the album, where I agree, like, totally like, like agree. the last third, where I was just like, you know, I wish they had mixed it up a little bit. But I get why they do it, like like because when you're when you're sequencing an album, you have to you have to kind of it's like, well, do I do I uh, mix it up so that it has ebbs and flow, so it goes from like high tempo to like low tempo. Or do I? Yeah, or do it, I make it, it? It totally makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, like, like I think I understand why they do it. But for me, yeah, for me, it I wouldn't say it dragged, but I would say it's it's definitely a front loaded album in terms of like the quality. And oh, and ag- no doubt about yeah. that. And again, none of the songs in the back half or the back third are bad. None of them are bad, but. Um, I I did I I did feel like it, again the energy was brought down a little bit too much, but in, in the last part of the record, but that's that's really my only criticism of the record. Otherwise, it's I think also also I will say I think at the time I felt like Fonte maybe was cribbing a little bit too much from Most Def. I don't know if you if you ever heard any Most Def in Fonte's early shit. Hmm. Hmm. Like I don't know if it's like. Like like a combination of his voice and his flow on some points kind of reminded me a little too much of Most Def, but but I don't I don't really feel that way now, but 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 that's that's partly just because I've listened to you know that's an interesting observation yeah. I never thought about that yeah I mean oh. I you know I've in you know in the, you know listening in in retrospect um l- listening to stuff they've done since then I don't really I don't really feel that way now but at the time I think I felt like that like he was maybe leaning a little too heavily on that influence but. Hmm. But other than that, I mean, no, this album is, it's an important album for a reason. And, and it's a, like, we're talking about it for a reason, you know, getting to like the impact of the album. This was, again, as I already mentioned, it was one of the first albums to really blow up because of the internet. Um, Knife Wonder at the time took a lot of heat. If you remember, he took a lot of heat for, for using Fruity Loops to, to mm. make beats. Uh, Fruity Loops was a, basically a production application. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he was using that to make his beats, and a lot of people, like when he would talk about that, people would be like, "No, nah, you, you you should be using an NPC. You should be using, you know, we should be using more traditional methods of production." But he was one of the first people to really be like, "Look, this is what I use. I use Fruity Loops like to make beats." And of course, it became a lot much more commonplace later. I mean, now we live in the era where people are pretty much just using laptops to make beats and to record songs, whereas back then they were still in the area of like leasing studio time and, and, and that whole that whole situation where the, the overhead yeah. to making a record was much higher, much more expensive than it is now. 
<laughs> one funny thing at the end of the album, um, the listening. <laughs> Every time I hear the listening in full, I'm just thinking to myself, like, was was um, that verse ever played for Ray and Ghost? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So, so the last verse of the listening, Fonte and and Big Pooh go back and forth, and they're basically just rapping nonsense, like random sort of words. I wouldn't say Rayquaza. I was like definitely, definitely say Ghostface circa Supreme Clientele is what it it reminds me of the most. And my thing was, I was always a little confused by that because, like. To me, the overall message they were trying to communicate was that people don't really care about lyrics anymore, right? Yeah, so what they yeah. were saying is that if you listen to an album, you'll be like, yo, I like track five, but like tracks, track 10 was terrible. Like, like where they don't even know the names of songs because they're not getting into the music. Uh, they're not getting familiar enough with the music to even know the name of the songs. They just know the, tra- the track numbers. And so their point was that people don't really listen and digest music the same way, you know, we did in like the early 90s where we would buy an album, you know, um, sit with the liner notes, read the liner notes, liner notes while we're checking out the entire album and, listen, and really digest the words and the music and what have you. And so, so, so on that last verse, they just kick a lot of nonsense words where if you're not paying attention, you, you might not realize they're just saying nonsense. But it, but check it, out, check all these bitches on my Soul Glow City walk. Walk around, around with Madagascar, Madagascar titties. titties. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be purple and orange, like, and and yeah, and so and and a lot of that does come off sounding very supreme clientelish. But I don't know that they were getting. I don't think they were intentionally trying to get at Ghostface though. I think I don't know, but but I can easily see why. I mean, it 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 sounds like they are. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I thought it was weird, but I would imagine that they weren't. Yeah. Um, but I, I still found it weird. <laughs> yeah. I really found it weird, but I, I, I got what they were saying. I got what they were saying. So. And I, and I think, and also that that speaks to an aspect of the album we didn't really talk much about was the sense of humor. Like, they, oh, yes. th- there's a lot of humor on the album, a lot of it in the skits, especially, but just in general, <laughs> and and again, like Fonte's verse on 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 the yo-yo has a lot of humor in it, a lot of really like, like, like genuine laugh out loud moments. And that's something that you didn't get a lot of out of rap is, is especially around that about the early two thousands was just humor, just straight up, you know, sense of humor. And, and yeah, they, they, they were definitely comedians and, um, you know, the, the skits were, were very laughable. Yeah. Uh, make me hot pee. Right. Uh, Roy Lee. <laughs> right. I'm Roy Lee, nigga. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Just make me hot. Yeah. Um, Person miracles. Yeah. Shout out to Person exactly, miracles. Exactly. And you know that was continued throughout their run. I mean, even funnier skits on the second album. But you know, um, funnier <laughs> skits. But I feel like the songs themselves had, were more serious. But that's I don't know if that's another topic or not. But I feel like Mistress Show wasn't as lighthearted as the listening was. Definitely not. Yeah. Um I I I think you you started to feel that all or nothing uh feeling coming through mm. and who knows it could have been frustration it, it could have been you know a number of things. Yeah, I think um, they had a, a lot of internal stuff that was going on as well with them. You know, the the out of out of the four albums the Minstrel Show is my least favorite. 
So but, even so, when you say four albums, you're talking the listening minstrel show, get back and left back. Yeah. So so even left back, you think is better than minstrel show? Um. Yes. Okay. Wow. I I disagree with that. Um. <laughs> I I um. Left back is probably my least favorite one, but I think that's partially because of the nature of it. I mean, it's it's an album. It's almost a mixtape. Actually, you know what? I take that back because yeah. there was some remixes on there that kind of just they didn't have any place so i mean if i if i if i dropped off left back uh-huh. i would say that um the minstrel show would be my third favorite okay i yeah that was like maybe my third favorite behind listening and, sh- and chitlin circuit 1.5 i would go minstrel show and then get back which um get back i liked i i like it more now than i did when it first came out I think partly because of the disappointment of Ninth Wonder not being there, but then the the lone Ninth Wonder contribution was one of my least favorite tracks on that album. So, but uh-huh. but anyway, that's you know that's whatever. But yeah, like this album really struck a chord, a, a rare chord, and it's I, I believe it was actually more successful than their major label album. I think this actually did better. Like I think it actually sold better and made more of an impact. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. I really wouldn't be surprised because. You know, there's there's still people who talk about the listening today uh, as opposed to, you know, their other albums. Um, so, you know, you, you did get the recognition. You were mentioned by a major publication as opposed to um, any of the other albums. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if those if those stats were um, were fact. So, um but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the album, and it, and it still, it still feels fresh to me. Fifteen years later. Yeah, I um, I don't know. Did did you ever? Cause like for me, when this album dropped, really, it wasn't so much when this album dropped, right? It was more so when when Kanye became like a big deal as a rapper. Which so so College Dropout came out like a year later, right? Like like a year after, uh, the listening, and I yes. was I was thinking, I was hoping that Kanye West the the emergence of Kanye West as a star would help little brother i was thinking that that type of so called like blue collar rap would become more of a thing because of Kanye West because Kanye Kanye when he first came out was somebody who could very very carefully balance like he could, he could be, he could do like, like, you know, like an album for Jay-Z or an album for Scarface. And then at the same time, still be working with very heavily with like most Def and Talib Kweli. He kind of bridged, he really bridged that gap. And when his he album did, dropped. He did for the first couple albums. For the first couple albums. And, and when he, you know, this is, this is before he, he, whatever happened to him happened. And, and he, you know, he. He was still somewhat. I mean, I, from what I understand, he was all. He's always been kind of a very egotistical guy, but he was still. He was a little bit more down to earth when he first came out. But but I thought that I was thinking that his success would help Little Brother. Like like and then like like he did that, and then Little Brother got signed to Atlantic, and I'm thinking, oh, like like this is finna like you know it's finna take off and and blow up, and it and it at least from my perspective, it didn't. That didn't happen. And yeah. Um, yeah, and each each time that there was an opportunity for it to happen, I was just kind of like, "Please let this happen." Even when they did the uh, collabo with uh, Little Wayne, I was like, "Please let that be released." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 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 put out as a single or or something. 
Yeah. But yeah, that that didn't happen. And Kanye Kanye West and Little Brother did work together. Like they they did. And on, it was a track that didn't get put on any of their major releases. No, it was it was on uh, the the original Shitlin Circuit. Um, yes. And 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 uh, because I think they were they both recognized that they were both kind of in the same lane, at least thematically speaking. They were kind of making the same type of music. Like yeah. Kanye West was doing, you know, heavy soul samples. He was talking about everyday regular shit, and and, yeah. and Little Brother was doing the same thing. And so they 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 connected on that level. But yeah, like yeah. Kanye West's success didn't really, and I think that happens a lot in rap music, whereas when somebody drop something and it it becomes successful and you, you and you don't expect it you start thinking people start thinking oh well, this is going to mean this is going to reverberate and make waves throughout like rap music and change trends and shift trends but it rarely does trends don't shift that quickly like i remember when when um was it exhibit c that came out that dropped the yeah Jet electronica joint and they were playing that all over hot 97 and i was thinking like oh like this might Herald a signal. Uh, this might signal a uh, you know a, a return to such and such, but it, it didn't signal shit. And uh, and Jay Electronic still hasn't dropped an album to this day. But um, so yeah, so that was for me. That was something that I remember a lot was thinking that that there would be a shift. This a, a small shift in rap music to where it would be more acceptable to just kind of be a regular ass person, and that didn't really happen. We didn't see that happen, but no. like every time that you know a record that goes away from the norm hits uh, mainstream radio, it, you get that little uh, uh, rise um, in the crowd for a moment, and like a following that isn't normally reached by mainstream radio starts getting all excited. Like, can you believe that they played this? And just for a second, just for a second, you start thinking to yourself, oh, well, they're going to change up their whole programming because of how well this record's doing. Right. And I can start listening. Right. And it doesn't happen. And, and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen. Rap doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, but there's a huge machine, and that machine just isn't going to just change overnight. Like, so, yeah. so, so, yeah. so those things, you know, you, you, you get hopeful and really it's just, it's just the hope for more diversity in rap music, right? It's the hope that it, there's exactly. a little more space for somebody to do, to kick something a little different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not the same five songs all day. Yeah. Um, you know, which a lot of mainstream stations do. And, yeah, you sure. know, you, you, you can like popular rap, you can like, uh, independent rap, you could like, uh, you know, all different genres of rap, but you're never going to hear the mix of that on the radio. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, um, I, I, I had hoped that that had happened for them. And, and, and I'm really glad that they have uh, found different forms of success uh, in their own ways um, uh, through the years, um, especially with Fonte moving into foreign exchange and yeah. having that uh, be big for him and, of course, you know he's he's a, um, a, a very much reached out personality when it comes to uh, podcasts. And oh yeah, such. for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's on uh, Quest Love Supreme, um, and he was he was doing before like years earlier. He was doing this was probably around the time of like Left Back. He was he was doing uh, Gordon Gartrell Radio with with uh, DJ Brainchild. That was back in the day, which you yeah. could, which you could kind of see was like almost like a genesis of. Or like like an early version of Questlove Supreme, just in terms of yeah. it was basically just Fonte just talking shit and and like 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 
you know, having a topic and talking about it while like a brainchild played songs or what have you. But that was like kind of like an early version. And that was like really early on in the, the early days of podcasting. So they were early with that. But but yeah. Fonte, Fontaine's definitely emerged as like a very outsized, like super, you know, uh, smart and, and hilarious guy who knows a lot of shit about music. And so he's able to talk about it in a way that's very uh, entertaining. And, and, and in addition to being a, a, a singer, an, an accomplished singer, which... I mean, you hear you hear hints of that definitely on the listening, but I don't know if I would have predicted that he would be doing a lot more singing than rapping in the future. Yeah, I mean, the listening, groundbreaking album, and um, I'm so glad that I heard it uh, sooner than later, because <laughs> it would have been a different feel for me if I had heard it later. What do you think the feel would have been if you if you had heard it like later on? Well, because at that time. I felt like I wasn't going to be broken out of my zone of just listening to my favorites. I really um, wouldn't have been able to appreciate it as much if I heard it two or three years later. Right. Yeah. Cause it was, it was, it was at a moment where I really didn't think I was going to break out of my zone of listening to the same few artists and not discover something new. And um, you know, since then i I've broadened my horizons a lot more and have been able to listen to a lot of new things over the years. Right. You know. Which is kind of the the point of the album, right? To to be able to listen and be exactly. open. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So um, deep. Yeah. You know. Um and yeah, yeah shot and they were from I don't know if you even mentioned they were from yeah, I did mention they were from they were from uh, North Carolina, which wasn't known as a hotbed of rap music which i, which, no, which I think it wasn't. is which I, which, I, which I think is great that they because again they kind of eschewed all like stereotypes it's like well they're not they were because like, like north carolina is technically considered the south but they didn't sound like a so-called like a quote-unquote southern rap group um they didn't, yeah. they, didn't they didn't sound like outcast they didn't sound like three six mafia they didn't sound like uh eight ball and mjg they sounded uh they had their own sound and um like before them, basically you had Petey Pablo and Yak Fu Front, and that was like <laughs> that was like your, your North Carolina hip hop before. At yeah, least, at least in, in terms of what you know, the outside world knew. For me, it was just uh, opening up the idea of the whole uh, Mid Atlantic, because um, for me, listening before that, it was just Matt Skills and um, from Virginia or from yeah. where. Yeah, from where? <laughs> and, um, you know, they came along and they really brought uh, that whole middle mid-Atlantic sound to the forefront mm. for me, listening to them, some of the others of the Justice League, Odyssey, um, you know, what have you. Um, uh, Pooh, as he mentions on there, um, is actually originally from Virginia mm. um, and eventually made his way over to North Carolina. Right. North Carolina. It's Big Pooh from the Lover State. Right, um, right, right. Uh, the group as a whole has made a big impact. I mean, I, um, I know Fonte feels like he was a huge influence on Drake. Um, yes, and a lot of people agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in terms of the rapping and the singing, and and even like like subject matter and the way he approaches uh, uh, topics, I think a lot of people again Fonte for sure feels like that and I think a lot of people, other people agree. And and they work together as well, like on Drake's one of Drake's early mixtapes before pre uh so far gone he worked with uh little brother and um 
And um, Kendrick Lamar worked with them early on as well. He worked on, he was on a um, Big Pooh, Big Pooh album from 2009. And then he worked with uh, um, uh, Ninth Wonder on, on Ninth Wonder's um, It's a Wonderful World compilation from t- which 2011, which was like right around the same time as Section 80. So yeah. I think they really, if you ask, they were like your 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 favorite rap groups, favorite rap group, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of <laughs> a lot of people who are like superstars now. I mean, I mean, the, the two biggest like rappers in the world uh, worked with Little Brother, so that exactly. that that kind of shows you how 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 big they were. Yeah, yeah. Ninth Wonder was definitely becoming a star um, around this time. So you know, after working on Jay Z's album and then just. Uh, um, spreading his wings after he left Little Brother. Uh, well, even before just... he left Little Brother, which well, yeah, which yeah, yeah, may, may have may have led to the, the the him leaving the group, arguably, right? Is that he, um, while Little Brother was still very much active, he was producing whole albums for Cats. Like he did a whole album for Sky Zoo really early on. Did multiple albums with with Murs. Um, so he was doing. He was arguably giving their sound away to people because people were so just just blown away by his production and because because again it really it harkened back to uh a, an era of rap music that was was had had been gone for you know for quite some time like maybe six yeah. seven years and so everyone everyone wanted a piece of that sound everyone is like yo yeah. this sounds like the shit that i fell in love with so yeah you know, so do so yeah. it wasn't just like do a track for me it was like do my whole album and so, yeah, I know I was blown away because I know I was waiting years for that Genius album to finally come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Gray Genius album, which was leaked and then like was officially released years later, many years later. Yeah, still dope though. But but um, but yeah, like he and he he was again like like you said doing doing albums for a lot, doing entire albums for a lot of artists just because people just wanted that sound. Buckshot. Yeah, Buckshot as well. Absolutely, uh, I believe Questlove linked him up with Jay Z, and then he did a threat on on Black Album, and then which led to him doing a joint for Destiny's Child, and and so forth. And then you know he's now he's what he, he's you know he has his own label. He's putting out obviously a, a Rhapsody and and um, a, a Jamla Records just put out a record with Crisis and um, Elzai. And yes. and and so they're they're doing a lot of things. He's also like a, a professor, I believe, at Harvard, uh, teaching like like rap yes. music history. Um, yes. So he so he's made a huge impact. Um, again, we already we already talked about a big. Uh, uh, we already talked about Fonte. Fonte, you know, is a member of Foreign Exchange, but Foreign Exchange is also a label. They put out other other uh, soul artists. They put out an a median album. So he's he's doing doing things, and he's. Uh, he did a solo album where he like reconnected with Ninth Wonder for, s- for several songs, yeah. and um, and is allegedly coming out with another solo album at some point in the future, um, yeah. maybe. And then uh, Big Pooh is has never really stopped putting out music, and and I and you know he's he, he's done several albums um, with like, like like he did an album with um, with Knots I believe he did an album with with like, yeah. Apollo Brown. All, yeah, all did. really solid shit. All really solid shit. And I, I want to yeah. give a, a, a quick shout out to his his first solo album, Sleepers, was dope as fuck. Like I still listen to Sleepers uh, on a yeah, sem- on a semi regular basis. Scars is my joint. Yeah, no, that whole <laughs> album was really dope, and that was that came out I think prior to that breaking up. Well, well, no, it came out prior to like the Minstrel Show even. Like I think, 
Like that was it was it was between their first two albums. So yeah. so yeah, they were still very much together at that point. And you know, Ninth Winter's all over that album as well, and, and Fonte is on there too. But but yeah, um check out Sleepers if you've never heard it. So but yeah, like so so that's Little Brother. They're still out there doing things individually. Um will they ever come back together? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But they're all very active on Twitter, so hit them up. Yes. <laughs> but but don't beg them to get back together. They'll probably be very annoyed by that. I'm sure they hear it every day. Yes. <laughs> Especially now. Like with, exactly. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> but yeah, what more do you have to say about the listening? I don't know, man. If you've never heard it, the listening is an album that it's still an album today that I would play for people who don't normally like hip hop music. Like, yeah, I, I I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it's between that and black on both sides for me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because I mean, it had again, it, it's it's an extremely accessible album, which is why I thought they were gonna blow up more than they did because they were very accessible, and it's it has its share of records that could that could get, that could get people on the dance floor, but also can that that are just like head nod straight head nod joints and and everything in between. And it's it's a very relatable album lyrically as well, and so yeah, and and so yeah. it's it's one of those albums that you can just play for people. Like, yo, have you have you never heard this album? Check it out, you know, it's, you know. And there's there's very little to dislike about it. So, um, yeah, it's it's again, it's a landmark. It was really it really the start of a lot of things in rap music. Even though it didn't it didn't lead to a shift in the sound of rap. But it did lead to shifts in how rap music, or it it made certain things more acceptable in terms of how people make music, and and it it really again arguably gave birth to some of the most popular rappers of of the day. So, um, in regards to the listening, happy anniversary. Yes. And um, in regards to us, if you have any comments about the listening, um, you can hit it up hit us up on Twitter. Uh, using the hashtag own no loops or just uh, hitting us up directly um, at old dirty plaster ol o l d i r t y p l a s t e r and I'm Urkel Modi u r k e l m o e d w e and we are again own no loops on Twitter as well as a group as a collective if you will we're on Facebook as own no loops well we're at own no loops at gmail dot com we're on Instagram at own no loops, and that's all. Uh, you know, no no hashes, no underscores, no trick spelling. It's it's just straight up on no loops. And we're also on the uh, the Spotify machine, uh, where you will find um, some of the music that we talk about. It's a machine now. It's a machine. <laughs> well, you know, you can if if you're clever, you can scam millions of dollars out of Spotify if you make a playlist. <laughs> But that's that, that's another story. Anyway, <laughs> yes, God bless you all. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back with another episode soon. And thank you for listening. And if you have any uh, reviews, definitely uh, if you are on um, iTunes, um, drop those reviews and ratings. Yes, please, please do, please do. That that helps us get exposure, and we like exposure. Thank you. Yeah, we do. And in closing, um, be kind but wise and always be on time. And no quote from me from this week. Uh, just uh, if you haven't seen Black Panther, go see Black Panther. But you've probably seen Black oh, Panther. No doubt. So, go see that. So go see it again. And again and again and again. Oh, yeah. Again and again. <laughs> just like protect your neck. That's right.
<laughs> Wakanda forever? Again and again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And we're Peace. out. Peace. Peace.